Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. I am CLNS Media's Mike Cadlick, joined as always by Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, we got a lot to get to today, uh, as always. Uh, we're going to try and get it done before the Celtics tip off tonight in their season opener. So a uh, little rapid fire, but we'll get more in depth on um, the offensive and defensive sides of the ball after the Patriots 38-15 win uh, against the Browns this weekend. Uh, we'll first get into some Patriots news, then we'll go offense defense. Um, and then we'll split it up and end it up with a uh, Boston Sports Minute going into the Celtics versus 76ers tonight. And uh, Alex might have to take some lumps on his college football uh, on his college football talk last weekend. But we'll get into that at the end because uh, we got a lot to get to on the Patriots first, uh, starting with a report that came out today from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Um, so Fowler wrote in a column on uh, ESPN this morning that several NFL teams have called the Patriots um, about trading for wide receiver Kendrick Bourne. Um, and that the Patriots have been inclined to keep him because of, uh, A, his low salary. But uh, there was a little tidbit in there that I thought was interesting, and it was he wrote that Bourne would welcome a change in uniform due to lack of uh, opportunities so far this season. So uh, I guess, Alex, we'll start with that. And A, do you think that uh, it would be smart to trade Bourne uh, after what we've seen from him this season? And B, do you read into that little little snippet at all about the fact that he might welcome a change? Well, that little snippet certainly stood out to me the same way it did to you, that yeah. it would open a change in scenery because by all accounts, Kendrick Bourne has loved it here. And that doesn't mean he doesn't like it here. But he may look at it, and I wouldn't blame him and say, hey, I was a borderline 1,000-yard receiver last year. Now I'm the fourth string. Why, you know, why don't I have more chances to get my touches, get my incentives, get my next contract, all of that? So it's interesting. I still wouldn't move him or Aguilar for that matter. And I know people are going to freak out at that. And and Aguilar was also mentioned in the report as a guy who get traded. Yep. You're not going to get a ton for either of those guys right now. You know, Robbie Anderson's the comp. He just got dealt, and I. It's it's not exactly apples to apples because he blew up at his coaches on the sideline. He forced his way out, but you're not going to get more than a fifth round pick, I wouldn't think, for Nelson Aguilar, right? So, is it worth risking your wide receiver depth? I know Tyquan Thornton's looked really good. He has. He's looked really good. It's been two games. We know Devontae Parker doesn't generally play a full season, right? You 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 wonder about his status. Jacoby Myers is playing banged up right now with the knee injury. I wouldn't trade Kendrick Bourne because he's, and we'll talk about Mac later, but I wouldn't trade Kendrick Bourne because I think he's still Mac's favorite receiver and you don't want to just give up on him. And he also has a very, very team friendly contract. I wouldn't just quit on that kind of value. And I wouldn't even trade Aguilar because I worry about, I still worry about the depth. You probably could get by if you got rid of one of those guys, but the margin's really thin, right? So let's say you trade Aguilar, for instance, Devontae Parker gets hurt. Myers starts slowing down because he's banged up. Well, now you're going to have to ask, I don't probably little Jordan Humphrey to play a pretty big role. So I, unless somebody comes in and blows them away, right? Top 100 pick. Sure. Great. Third round pick for Aguilar. You take that, but I'm not giving up Nelson Aguilar for a pick outside the top 150. Like I just, I don't see how that makes the team better in the short term or the long term. I agree. I don't think it benefits the team at all, really, to get rid of either of those guys. I know we might hear about it with Aguilar, like you said, but like, A, Bourne's contract is so low at $3.5 million this year, and B, with the changing of the guards at quarterback, and also, we'll get into this more too in the offense, but a change in sort of the way they're calling the offense, 
they have not even come close to hitting their stride on offense. So this is a, a scheme that Parker, Bourne, Myers, Thornton, and the tight ends can all get their touches, and it's going to make this team that much better. So again, it's a depth piece that you shouldn't get rid of. And I, again, I just feel like it's it's way too soon to to kind of cut ties with Bourne. Right. Um, and also, the re- somebody just brought this up in the chat. The salary dump with Aglor at this point is minimal. If they'd done it over the summer, it would right. be more significant. Uh, it doesn't. The, the money comes off the books very differently in season, and it. I, it, it would open up depending on how they did the trade as much as 5 million. Some of that could carry over to next year, but it's not, you're not going to get the kind of player you necessarily would for that money at this time of year, unless there's like a second move coming, you know, they're going to add somebody and they need to free up cap space. Just opening up that money for the sake of opening up that money really doesn't do much at this point. The time to do that again was this summer. Right. And so like we had said, I mean, as far as from a on-field perspective, it doesn't make sense, but, um, reading into this sort of sourcing that we think uh, Fowler might really have here, a the thing that he said about Bourne welcoming welcoming it sounds like Bourne is on board. But the other piece that's in there is the Las Vegas Raiders. He mentions he mentions that the Raiders are a team to watch um, since like Dave Ziegler's there, um, and they had already made the trade for Justin Horan earlier in the offseason. Um, that feels like it's sourced too. Do you think there's any sort of fit there with the Raiders, I guess, if he would ever end up there? I mean, it's Devontae Adams, Waller, and I don't know, Renfro, I guess. But uh, any thoughts on, I guess, the fit there and anything they would potentially get back from Vegas? Well, I mean, Agu- Aguilar was already there. I think Bourne's right. going to fit anywhere. I really think he's that kind of receiver. I don't know that yeah, that's sourced. Yeah, you're a big Bourne guy, might... Barth, huh? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's just common sense. I, I, maybe it's source, maybe it's not. But I think even without the source, you can figure it out, right? Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, both there. They already made one trade this year. They sent Justin Huron over there a couple of weeks ago. So if the Patriots are going to move one of those guys, I could absolutely I could absolutely see Josh McDaniels being involved and the Raiders being involved, especially if it's Kendrick Bourne, because him and McDaniels, it sounded like had a very good relationship last year. Right. So um, wouldn't, yeah. It, it, reporter, no. I think if it just came out, it was, hey, the Patriot teams are calling on the Patriots receivers. And let's let's be clear about that, too. This is not the Patriots shopping these guys, right? right? The report is the calls are coming in. They may be being answered and saying, no, thank you, and hanging up, and that's the extent of it. But right. if the Patriots are going to make a trade, yeah, the Raiders, I think, it, in any scenario, stand out. And like, like the Texans did for years and probably still do a little bit. Um, like the Giants did for a period of time, like the Falcons did for a period of time. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, so again, I don't think they should do it. I think that, uh, and again, it doesn't really matter what I think. We're more analyzing what they th- they think. But uh, I don't know. I guess even with the emergence of Thornton over the last couple of weeks, it still feels like Bourne's a key depth piece in that offense that has yet to hit their stride. Um, but moving on, like we say on the show, no, no, uh, no transaction is uh, is to be left unturned. So. Special teamer Cody Davis was placed on IR uh, today. He had got banged up in the Browns uh, game on Sunday. Um, looks like he'll miss minimum of four weeks. Uh, but yeah, placed on IR. Do you think um, they fill a special teams need at all here? People look at it, right? And it's like, oh, well, they kept Schooler. They got rid of Bethel and yada, yada, yada. But those guys do play two separate positions. But it also seems like special teams is a, a position that is – I don't want to say it's easily fillable, but it's it's a position that can be filled with the rest of the depth in your team. So I don't really see them going to grab another special teams piece anywhere, especially with, you know, it looks like Bethel might not be available per se. He's with Miami, I believe so. Um, but just uh, thoughts, I guess, on Davis's injury and kind of where they stand from a special teams. 
Yeah, I mean, they signed Calvin Munson last week. He kind of plays a similar role on special teams, so he could right. maybe be a guy that's elevated. The guy I wonder, though, because they do have this open roster spot now, is Jamie Collins. He's been here for a couple of weeks, so you think he's probably closer to getting back in shape. Uh, they don't play the same position, but the Patriots lost Christian Barmore. We don't know what his status is, but adding another you know, athletic body up front is probably something they would look to do if Barmore's out. Collins can play special teams as well. We'll see how they fill that slot. Look, maybe it's JJ Taylor. Maybe they, you know, we saw they clearly don't trust Kevin Harris or Pierre Strong that much. Right. And they put it all on Ramondre's plate again. Maybe they do need JJ Taylor up, but I, I wouldn't sleep on Jamie Collins getting that spot. I just think if he's ready and we don't know what kind of condition it, he's in. But that was the thing. When they sent him to the practice squad, it was he's gonna he had offseason, I forget what it was, but he had some offseason procedure. He's gonna come back try to get in football shape. And if, and when that happens, they'll find a role for him. It's been a couple of weeks now and they have the open spot. So it's going to be, we saw them do it with Marcus Cannon, right? A couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, he just practice squad active roster. And now he might even be a starter and we can get to that. But Jamie Collins, it kind of feels like similar timeline. Could he be the guy that gets that call? Yeah. It's not, again, it's not going to necessarily be, it probably won't necessarily be someone who's a special teamer. I guess Munson, like you said, but there's more holes out elsewhere to fill, like you said, with the Barmore right. injury. And then uh, the other what thing they, they could do, back, so the one other thing they could do with that spot, and that's more where like I'm interested in this is, is you know, who gets that spot, right? We could just see LJ Humphrey come back, like they elevated him last week. Yeah, they only have one elevation left, but they clearly like having him on the field. This could be a thing where he's just going back and forth as long as they have a spot for him to try to keep right. him in the lineup. So those would be, if, if you ask me my two, my three picks for that spot, it would be Munson, Collins, Humphrey. That's who I think they're going to uh, give that spot to. Yeah, I tend to agree. Guys who, like you said, have A, been here, a B, a fill a position of need right now on this team so desperately. Um, but again, tough to see Davis go down, a guy who's, you know, on, on a special teams unit that has been, pretty hot and cold this year compared to what they have in years past. Um, it's tough to see yep. him go down, but uh, finally some good news. One last final piece. Uh, Zappy fever, which we will definitely get into in this podcast has gone national. Uh, the Patriots win versus the Browns on Sunday was the highest rated and most viewed 1 PM game of the 2022 season. Uh, Patriots PR sent that our way this afternoon. Um, the game averaged 1,116,000 viewers and it peaked at around 4 PM with 1.3 million. Um, so not only is, Zappy Fever, New England based, but it's also gone national. And I think that that release said it was the highest rated game in New England since the Brady game last year. Yes, that is correct. So there's there's juice for Bailey Zappy. There's clearly juice. juice. It's the uh, like we talked about Sunday night uh, on Patriots post game. The the comparisons to Bledsoe and uh, Bledsoe Brady versus Mac and uh, Zappy here. It's uh, it's getting really real because there's definitely buzz around here. So, uh, yeah. I guess that's that for our news. Uh, nothing really to break down there, but just kind of interesting piece of info that uh, we got this afternoon. So football season is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, let's start with 
the defense then breaking down a little bit further this Browns uh this Browns win. Again, the Pats beat the Browns 38 to 15 on Sunday and uh I, I want to leave offense towards the end because I feel like there's more to get to where the defense it was just sure. another dominant performance, right? Um the Browns we could sh- we knew that they were really going to be nothing without their run game going into Sunday uh, and that you kind of had to stuff the run and stop the run and keep Nick Chubb uh contained. And that's exactly what they did. He only had 12 carries for 56 yards. And the Patriots did most of that without Lawrence Guy or Christian Barmore up front who left the game early with an injury. So uh, domination is kind of the name of the game here with this Patriots offense through five weeks. Yeah, I, I brought this Six up. Weeks. Yeah, I, I brought this up on the postgame show. I'll bring it up again. So they kind of held him to about five yards a touch, 12 c- carries, one catch. And five yards a touch is about where he's been. But he had... Uh, a two-play sequence in the third quarter, 18 yards and 14 yards. And if you take those out, he was around 2.4 yards per touch. And I don't take those out to pump the tires. I take those out to show, you know, they never let him take the game over. If he's averaging five yards a touch and he's picking up five yards on every touch, well, then you're in second and five, third and one. Like that's, that's how that offense succeeds. We kind of saw the passing game be a little bit limited. So what they do is they use that running game. And it's not just Chubb, it's the offensive line. They use that running game to set up second and third manageables and sort of march their way down the field. It's the dink and dunk offense. Yep. When you stop Nick Chubb on first down, when you're holding him to two yards per carry, right? And all of a sudden it's second and eight, third and five, it drastically, you're forcing them. And, and I forget who it was who said it after the game. I think it was Dietrich Wise. You're forcing them to play left-handed. So, and, and like you said, they did it with that Lawrence guy. They did it with that Christian Barmore for most of the game. It's the second week in a row they've sh- shut down an elite rushing attack. This defensive front is for real. And I know there were questions coming into the year about the linebackers, about the defensive tackles. But look, well, on a whole, I, the Lions are not good. The Browns aren't world beaters offensively. They do have good rushing attacks. The reason those teams are bad is not because of their ground game. If anything, the reason may be they're too overly invested in the ground game. So it was good to see the Patriots defense do that. It was, it, it's good to, I, I think we've seen enough now where, Hey, those breakdowns against the run last year, they're not back. Now we'll see if they come back as the season goes on and guys get worn down, but this is a much better run defense than we saw. You know, I know a lot of people think of that Colts game that started that whole slide. This yep. run defense with similar personnel looks a lot better than it did then. Yeah, they do. Um, and not only, like we said, it's the front seven uh, that's obviously obviously been dominant, but I also look to the secondary in the run game as well, like we said on Sunday. But, I mean, Kyle Duggar truly looks like an elite safety in the NFL. He's always near the ball every single snap, it seems like. Um, he led the team with eight tackles, but, uh, again, he, like he's a run stuffer. Not only is he has he gotten better in coverage since he came back from his injury, but, I mean, he's been dominant, like you said, in the run game too. Um Eight tackles, two pass deflections. He had the sweet interception on the first on the first drive. Um, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Kyle Duggar. I truly think that he's Pro Bowl caliber this season. Um, and it's just it's good to see someone in the back end as athletic as he is be able to kind of be a dual threat run stopper as well as a uh, in coverage. Yeah, no, he's been excellent. He's been arguably their best player. And by the way, how about this? The Patriots' two best players on defense, arguably, arguably, and you, some people might throw Christian Barmore in there, and that's fair. But arguably the Patriots' two best defensive players this year, Kyle Duggar, Matthew Judon, both D2 guys. So how about that? Yeah. I uh, just got hit the other day. Yeah, Lenore yeah. Ryan for Duggar and uh, Grand, Grand Valley State. Grand Valley State for Grand Matthew Grand Valley Judon, State so. up in Michigan, yep. Yeah, it's funny. That's uh, 
I we'll talk about it and I'll get to it once I get it. We get into some, you know, Jack Jones, Bailey Zappy stuff. And I'll, I want to hit on Jack Jones in a minute, but um, people had their arms up in the air when the, when the Patriots, including myself, when the Patriots drafted Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Ryan ahead of a guy like Anton Winfield, for example, that draft right. uh, as a safety. But Duggar's been awesome, and uh, Bills made us look pretty stupid, all those who, including myself, who have said that his drafts weren't good. But um, one note on Jack Jones as we continue out on this defense, because um, the Patriots defense also, the the back end forced the Browns into two interceptions uh, on Sunday. And um, they looked pretty good as a whole unit, but specifically Jack Jones, who did not end up having an interception. Um, he was kind of an under-the-radar guy again this week compared to, not again, but compared to where he was the last two weeks. He's still that, like, boomer bust guy. Luckily, he didn't uh, get exposed on Sunday. But there's one play. He played Amari Cooper down the sideline beautifully into the end zone. And it was, like, something you – it's literally how you coach up a corner. He he pushed him out of bounds. He, he had him perfectly, no interference, whatever. Covers Cooper perfectly. But then there's another play where he got completely toasted by, I think it was Anthony Schwartz. I can't remember who it was, but he got burnt to a crisp, twisted out of his pants, and luckily Jacoby missed him. So hit or miss stuff from Jack Jones. But the reason I'm hitting on Jones is because last night, J.C. Jackson, who was signed by the Chargers this offseason, ends up getting benched at halftime for the Chargers because he was so bad in that Monday Night Football game. So, uh Looks like Bill made the right decision as well there, uh, letting Jack uh, J.C. Jackson walk and bringing in guys uh, through the draft. Yeah, he'll be back here by next year, right, J.C.? <laughs> yeah, like, I saw that on Twitter, Scream too. second tenure Patriot. Now, look, I don't put it in, and I see people in the chat want me to talk about it. Um, I don't necessarily put it all on J.C. Jackson. That team is horrendously coached. And I think they're putting in a, him in – you have a guy who was like an excellent man coverage guy, and they're putting him in zone a ton. I don't yeah. know exactly what, you know, they just kind of blindly paid for talent. They paid for the Madden rating. Like, go get a guy that's a fit, right? Carlton right. Davis was a free agent. Um, that being said, yeah, he's not looked good. He has not no. looked good. Um, and I'm guessing the reason so many people are trying to get me to talk about it is because I made a big deal back in the spring about him leaving. But, and this goes to your point, my issue wasn't so much that, oh, you can't let this guy go. This guy is special. It was more... Well, if you let him go, you really have nobody at corner because they didn't. They had right. nobody. And and I said at the time, we don't know. And I use this as an out all the time. Here's exactly why. When you hear me say this, this is why. We don't fully know if it was a good or bad decision to part ways with J.C. Jackson until we know how they replace him. Right? Because at the time, their, their top two boundary corners were Jalen Mills and Juwan Williams. Right. And – they drafted Jack Jones, right? They brought in Terrence Mitchell, who, you know, had a and Malcolm, they Butler. In, and Malcolm Butler and Jack Jones. And it was if one of these guys pans out and boom, here we go. Jack Jones looks like he might be a hit. That play you talked about where he got turned around. I thought that was more mental um, than physical. Yeah. That's something that that's and I, I've talked about this with him before. He's a rookie. The more he's an instinctive player, but he's a rookie. The more football right. he sees, the better he'll be. Well, boom, he saw that now it's logged. It's logged to the memory bank. So, yeah, they they figured out a way to replace J.C. Jackson, and, and it's kind of off and running. So I, I don't think Jackson's necessarily as bad as he's looked with the Chargers. I think no, some I of that is just the Chargers being an absolute dumpster fire. But, yeah, it's been pretty ugly. It's a five-year deal. 
you know, is he going to make it to year, forget year three, is he going to get to year two? Um, and look, if he doesn't, he's totally a guy I could see coming back here. You know, Jamie 100%. Collins, a couple years ago, right? Comes back here, short money deal, resets his value, goes and gets paid again. I could totally see it. Yeah, and someone in the chat as well said JC's a scheme fit, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Like you said, as far as them having him play uh, play zone versus man last night in uh, in LA, right? They asked what's his, they asked uh, Brandon Staley after the game to what the coverage was, and he was just like, it "Was covered three, blah blah blah." Like he was just like so basic, like Brandon Staley, who a guy I liked at first because I liked his aggressiveness on fourth down. He's just got let that whole stigma of himself being like the the anarchist aggressive coach completely get to his head and it's completely blown up that organization. And it's too bad because a, I bet Justin Herbert to win MVP and I bet the Chargers to win the Super Bowl this year. So tough on my part as well, but yeah, it's, uh, I had Herbert fever. Like we have zappy fever. I would have told you not to do that. And I said from the beginning, that coach, anyway, I I, I said that coach was screwed. Yeah. Um, But point of that was again, comparing the JC Jackson, leaving to Jack Jones filling in, who has been a really good rookie among others. Um, Anything more on the defense there, Barth, before we kind of step into the offense? I just think, again, it's there. there's more to get to, but it's not – it's all good. Like, they, they look really they look really sharp on all sides of all, – on all parts of their defense, excuse me. Yeah, I, Marcus Jones played more in that game, played as much yeah. as he had, and he had a nice play. So, I, that, I know that's something people ask us about a lot, the Marcus Jones versus Miles Bryant thing. That was a unique game plan. A lot of what they did in that game – and this is why Jack Jones didn't show up as much, even though he played 66% of the snaps. The one thing that Jack Jones really needs to kind of work on in, in, in year two is tackling. We've talked about this. It's not uncommon for a corner, but if they put him out there on the boundary earlier in that game, the Browns are just going to run tosses to that side and force him to tackle Nick Chubb one-on-one. And that's not a matchup that, that favors the Patriots. What they did instead, they, they ended up coming out You know, early in the game, once the Browns got down two scores, they went to more of a traditional defense, but they had Jalen Mills, a very strong tackler on one boundary, and they had Adrian Phillips as their other boundary corner, like on a wide receiver, basically totally disrespecting the Browns passing game and saying, all right, go ahead, throw it, throw it. We got our, you know, hybrid linebacker safety out here playing on, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, but go ahead, throw the ball. You're not going to run it over here. So it kind of skewed the corner numbers a little bit. But I think Jack Jones did play well when he was out there, minus that one mental mistake. And I thought Marcus Jones, he continues to make the most of his opportunities. And we'll see those opportunities continue to grow. Next week, though, is going to be another weird one where you're really not worried about them throwing the ball. Hopefully, Jonathan Jones is healthy. You're going to put him on Darnell Mooney. I mean, who's scaring you after that? I know I've made a ton of jokes about Harry, but... That's going to be another game where maybe Jack Jones isn't as prioritized. Marcus Jones isn't as prioritized. We see them go bigger, stronger on defense. Uh, Coming out of that, the Jets throw the ball. So that's going to be an interesting one. But Marcus Jones, so far what we've seen, he's looked good. The question now is just when he plays more. Yeah, the Pats have had a really good stretch of teams here uh, the last couple weeks and then coming up where you can it can allow your rookies to get comfortable because they're not as competitive teams like it's it's a stretch where they've played really solid football and Jets might be sneaky decent and I I can't stand the Jets and I don't think Zach Wilson's the real deal but I think some of those other players are no I think so too guys like Brees Hall and Sauce Gardner and I mean the the two wide receivers there I think uh Elijah Moore threw a little bit of a fit on Twitter about not getting targeted on Sunday but like I mean like you said they have some legit players there and a a coach who seems like he sort of has his head on his shoulders in Robert Sala um 
But that's for another day. Uh, that's the defense. Again, Patriots dominant up front, uh, solid in the back end as well, and hold the Browns to 15 points on Sunday. And clearly it was enough because the offense scored 38. But before we get into the offense, let's talk like Dan Alex. All right. Real. Because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. We use LinkedIn Jobs here at CLNS Media to post our openings, and it works like a charm. LinkedIn Jobs make it, makes it super easy to post your openings. Then you just have to add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. 2022 is coming to a close, so now's the perfect time to finish the year off right with a new team member. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All righty. Offense. Like we said, Patriots win 38-15. They put up 38 points on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Bailey Zappi, again, looks super comfortable in the offense. Um, he's also now the fifth highest uh, in terms of odds in Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, uh, it's just Vegas trying to take money from stupid people. Hey, it's Brees Hall, Brees Hall, Damian Pierce, Kenneth Walker, the three the three running backs, Chris Olave's fourth, and then Zappi and Kenny Pickett are tied at uh, 12 to 1. So Here's my thing about the odds like that, and I know you're a gambling guy, and you're probably, you probably think this is sacrilege to, to talk like this, but... Vegas's job is not to predict what's going to happen. The person right, they list as the favorite doesn't necessarily mean they think that that person's the most likely to do this. They're trying to take money from idiots. We don't even, whatever you think of Bailey Zappi, whatever we think externally, there's no way to know if he's going to be the starter beyond this week. 100%. It's why? a silly bet. But there's Zappi fever, so why not try to grab a couple thousand dollars from some morons? Like, a- absolutely, I 100 yeah. percent agree. If you had, if you had bet Zappi before the season, and you see the odds turn into this now, you have you have value like crazy. But if you jump well, you on the bandwagon, ticket now, you sell the ticket now when you can, because you don't even know if he's going to start on Monday. Um, but yeah, Zappi's whether you like it or not, they put him in the conversation. Um, again, I think Zappi played really well. Um, I've come down. A little bit more even from Sunday. I uh, kind of touted myself as a Mac guy to continue to play Mac. But, I mean, Zappi, again, comfortable in the offense. I think I think your best foot forward sort of has to be you continue to play Mac, but you call the offense this way. Um, that's just kind of where I'm at right now. I don't know where you are on Zappi either. We'll get into – I have a couple specific plays that I saw from Zappi that were awesome. Um, but kind of yeah. your thoughts right now on Zappi and – kind of what they should do, I guess, yeah, and how he played on Sunday. I'm kind of in the same boat that I think Max, the guy, but please in this offense, please don't go yeah. back to, to whatever that was at the beginning of the year. I, I, I do. I think Mac has a higher ceiling. Look, Zappi's looked good. And I think Zappi belongs in the NFL. I think he deserves a chance to start. I just, I still think they believe Mac is the guy and the other elements of this, I've seen people say, well, Mac's still the guy, but Zappy's good enough where just play him until the wheels fall off and then go back to Mac or, you know, play him until Mac's truly a hundred percent, which could be another month. The reality is whichever one you think is the guy, if you're the Patriots, that guy needs to be playing because regardless of who it is, 
They're both young quarterbacks. And the only way young quarterbacks get better is by playing. If you think Mac is the better guy, if you think Mac is the guy going forward, the future, right? But you're but but you're gonna sit here and say, oh, well, we'll let Bailey Zappi play a couple more weeks because he's winning. No, you Mac Mac needs to play. Mac needs to get better. He can't return in December against the Bills, having been on the bench for two months. Right? Can't right. do that. So, I like as and and I've talked about this before as well. Zappi has some mystique now. You sit him down, he's gonna have tremendous value. You can trade him in the off season. Yeah. If you think Zappi's the guy. Then it's Zappy. Then Zappy should just play, and you you move on from Mac Jones, and it's it is Brady Bledsoe, right? Whoever they think the guy is should play. I will say this though, Mac Jones, and there was a report. I think you you tweeted out right from Mike Reese that Mac yeah. thought he was going to play in Cleveland, and then Sunday morning woke up and decided he couldn't. And I don't know what kind of condition he was in, but that is proving to be a costly result for Mac Jones because if he plays last week. He plays as long as he doesn't totally implode, which I don't think he would have. He toasted the Browns last year. I think he would have put up similar numbers to what Zappi put up. If he plays, he plays fine. Then Bailey Zappi's a fun story who beat up on the worst defense in the league. And we start talking about maybe trading him for a second or third round pick this, this spring, right? Because Mac Jones didn't play in this game and Bailey Zappi was able to do what he did. I'm not saying there's a quarterback competition yet, like internally, externally. There absolutely is. Oh my God. It's everywhere. Right. That's what that's what zappy fever is. But I'm not saying that there's a quarterback competition yet internally. I think Mac can still, because, and I've talked about like the locker room plays a role in it and and the coaching staff and the trust and all that. And I know there's a report today that Joe judge is pushing for Bailey zappy and who knows, but what Mac has done now is he's at least opened that door. Yeah. By not playing in that Cleveland game, the door is now open. The conditions are in place for a quarterback competition to occur. If if Zappi plays again against the Bears, it looks good because laugh all you want at the Bears and their offense absolutely deserves it. That defense is actually pretty good. That defense can actually kind of play. They got playmakers at all three levels. They're yeah. top half of the league this year in, in, in yards and scoring defense. If Zappi lights them up, now, now it's on. Now it's right. on, and now you're talking about, well, does Mac really deserve to see the field again? So I still think it's Mac. I still think he has more potential, more upside, and when both guys are young, that's what you have to go with. It would be another thing if Mac was 30, right? If it's – let's say we were in the outcome everybody wanted, which you know a lot of people wanted, which was you don't pick 15th. You paid that – you trade that pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, then it's Zappy all day. He's the younger guy. Yeah. He has more upside. Mac's still young. Mac has more upside. I still think he's the guy, but he's got to come back and prove it because I think so too. Yeah. Even if he does have more upside, I don't think it's a tremendous gap and the, the intangible element of it is going to start to shift towards yeah. Zappy. And that's a hard thing to, to overrule. It's definitely, it's hard to overrule. It's hard to overcome. Um, like you said about the bears too. It's like, it was the lions. A little bit better in the Browns, a little bit better in the Bears now. So, I mean, the defense are getting tougher to play, and Zappi has come to the test twice so far. Um, the, Bears defense, we'll what- uh, the Bears defense is kind of legit. I know we'll get into this more on uh, on Thursday, but don't, right. don't quite – there's a reason they keep playing all these obnoxious low-scoring games, and it's not just the offense. Right. So I want to go into a few things about Zappi that we saw this Sunday that I also want to preface beforehand that – 
There are things that we've seen from Mac in the past, not necessarily this year, because the beginning of this year when Mac was playing was kind of a cluster F, but these are things that we've seen from Mac in the past that I think he could have done just as well had he been on the field. So one thing I noticed from Zappi was that he hit a lull on like that third drive. I think they went three and out, two or three incompletions, and he just kind of looked lost for a second. And he bounced back for the rest of the game and played awesome, which is something you don't normally see out of a third string quarterback who was drafted in the fourth round that comes into the that gets thrown into the fire that early in a season. Um, so I thought that was awesome from Zappy to start. I just think that the way that he sort of rallied the troops and threw it out, threw it out of his head and continued to play quality football for the rest of the game was awesome to see because again, you don't really see that from guys like this. Um I had seen and sort of noticed that the Browns were playing a ton of man coverage for most of the game and basically told the Patriots, Zappy, and the receivers to beat them, and that's exactly what they did. Um, you saw it specifically on the touchdown to Thornton. The big play that everyone's looking at on Twitter, including myself, was the play where he eluded pressure twice and found Tyquan on the crosser in zone coverage, which I want to get to that after, but first was man coverage, the touchdown to Tyquan Thornton. Again, daring them, uh, manned up. They motioned Parker across, which was an easy tell with man. First read was some sort of pick route between Par- uh, Devon- uh, no pick route between Jacoby Myers and Henry, and then yep. Thornton comes in backside read. I thought the way that Zappi stood in the pocket, watched the read, came back and sees the crosser was like perfect X and O football that we've seen from Mac last year, but this year it was something that he would have rushed himself out of, and I just thought it was perfect. I thought it was, again, a quality man-beater, down on the goal line, easy money touchdown that it was really impressive to me, especially it's tough throwing to crossing routes. It's really tough throwing crossing routes to fast guys. I can say it from experience. You think it's easy, but especially a guy like Tyquan Thornton sprinting across the field, it's hard to time those up. Zabby made a perfect play on it. I thought that was really impressive. The other one was the one that you've seen on Twitter several times now probably, but um, eludes the rush twice. I believe they were in some sort of zone coverage, at least in the front end, because he Tyquan ends up beating a backer behind him. But Zappi eludes the pressure on his front side, eludes it on his backside, keeping his eyes downfield, does not panic, which is something we saw from Mac early this year. He was panicking, not keeping his eyes downfield, running the ball. Instead, Zappi continues his eyes downfield, finds Thornton behind a linebacker, again on a crossing route from the fastest guy on the field, and hits him in stride pretty much and gets another first down. So th- those were plays that we saw from Zappi that we hadn't seen from Mac this year, but I think that. A, he probably would have made those plays given they call the offense this way with Mac in uh, behind center. And just, I, I thought it was really good from Zabby, but I think it's stuff we can see from Mac too. Well, I think the other thing here is we, we talked a lot about this going back to camp. Mac sped up, right? Right. He sped up. That internal clock is off. He's rushing everything. Zappy hasn't had to sit back behind Isaiah Wynn like Mac has. And he has more time. But, you know, I talked to a, a talent evaluator in the AFC who, who went back and watched that game. Zappi saw the whole field and made zero mistakes. When he's going through a full field progression, he's insanely good at it. That's what they want their quarterback to do yeah. more than anything else is throw the ball to the right read. If, if that means never throwing it, the ball down the field, so be it. Don't worry about not taking chances. We're going to scheme these things up where you're going to have one legitimate option on every play. We're going to make other teams pick their poison. And by the way, now they actually have receivers that can separate in, you know, Thornton and Parker has natural separation. That's 
what they're looking for. So he he looked the very game looks good. very the game looks very very slow for him. But the just thing two is two and a half games in, which is it's unheard of. Really. So here's right, but so here's kind of the two sides of that. One, it looked that way for Mac last year. Exactly. And then he got went behind this offensive line that fell apart and suddenly got sped up. Maybe some time off the field will help him reset that clock. The other is, well, Zappi hasn't exactly faced a ton of pressure. Right. What happens when, if and when he gets sped up? It's not going to look like this, and can he snap out of it? Because that's Mac's biggest issue right now. If you're talking about Mac can't go back out there, Mac isn't the guy, whatever, your biggest argument better be his mental clock is off, is very off, because it's it did not look great at the end there. He was seeing right. ghosts, right? Zappy, that's very much not the case. We'll see if Mac can get it fixed because if he gets it fixed, he's going to see the field like this. Absolutely. Right. Like he did it last year, but you know, Zappy saw the ball, saw the field tremendously. Yeah. Agreed. And it's, I think it's also, uh, it says a lot about the offensive play calling. Like they've, they've really transformed it, not transformed it, but they went back well, to their roots with Zappy. I'm at the sorry. And, Let, let's not give them too much credit for figuring out what the better offense was in week four when it was an offense they ran all of last season. But they didn't Camp- stick their boots in the ground and say, no, we're not doing it. No, they only they, wasted they only wasted four months with a second-year quarterback. Let, let's applaud them for that. No, you only wasted four months. Way to go. I agree with you. I do. I agree with you. But it's better late than never. That's that's kind of what I'll say. I don't want to – All right. Well, I guess if that's we the standard them- now in New England, fantastic. Put it on a banner. I'm just saying – Maybe they figured out for the rest of the season with Matt. You get what I'm saying. No, I know. But I agree agree with you in that sense. As as a big Matt guy, it's frustrating. And seeing the way everybody's reacting to this, it's very frustrating because, man, if they had been working on this since July, where would they be at? If they hadn't flipped the tackles, where would they be at? Right? Yes, it is all clicking now. This is when, when me and you. And whoever else was down there, when people were freaking out, I think we were two of the more level-headed people that were down there yeah. were saying, hey, it can still be fine if they just recognize it's not going to work. This is what we were talking about. Exactly. And, but the biggest issue was, well, it's still time you can't get back. Agreed. 100%. We're, we're pretty much on the same page there. And the yeah. thing, it's like, keep this. This should have been the roots the whole time. And they want to add downfield passing. That's what you have to do in this league to win games. Right. You have to try your best to compete with guys like Allen and Mahomes and what have you. But to completely like veer off what, what the roots of your offense were for four straight months, not a good idea. Looks like they'll get back to it, praying they get back to it when Max ultimately healthy because it works out well. The one thing I wanted to kind of, again, give give them a little bit of credit for, I guess, and I don't want to call it credit anymore because I'll just get berated now. But uh, <laughs> no, but... They pivoted like such a bully, man. That tweet <laughs> yesterday was harsh too. I was like, "Oh, I made the kid feel bad." That sucks. No, no, that was good. That was I began. It was <laughs> there, no. Apparently, no news is uh, or you get it. Um, yeah. But they pivoted off the run game. The run game was supposed to be their bread and butter on Sunday. Yeah. Pound Ramondre into the ground, but it didn't work. They pivoted off it and they let Zappy. I don't want to say cook, but they let Zappy kind of run yeah, the let's, offense. Through. G- given how I the get last guy let him cook thing, like let's let that stay with him, right? Oh my god, yeah. But um, I-, I liked the fact that they pivoted off the run game and kind of let Zappy air it out to win the game because it worked. They got the tight ends involved too, which we haven't seen. I think it was the first game where Henry and Jonu each had like over sixty yards or something like that. Which well, John, guys that got- one 
that one catch for Janu alone made it a, a, you know, that's the most yards he's had receiving in a game with the Patriots just off that right. one catch. And I yeah. know he had what one or two more on top of that. He won more. On yeah, top exactly. Of that, so scheming up the tight ends a little bit more, something that we've been waiting to see for yeah. over a year now. So it's like, it, it looks like good news on the play calling front. And I think it can get even better with Mac at the helm. Um, the one thing I'll say on the running game, and this isn't, this is just something going forward. And I, I've talked a ton about this, but Ramondre still had 19 of the, whatever it was like 25 carries. Yeah. They've still got to figure out it. Like he had 19. Then I think he had three catches, four catches. So he still had 23 touches. That's not bad, but as long as Damon Harris out, man, they got, they got to start trusting one of these guys, whether it's Kevin Harris, Pierre strong, bringing up JJ Taylor, like they've got to get somebody to lessen that workload a little bit. I'm just, I don't want to see him. I, I don't want to see him gassed when you get into those big games in December. I want him full go in those games because I think he can be a difference maker. So that's just, you know, that's my one critique. If you want to call it a critique on the one on the run game, like got, got to find that RB two, whoever it is, got to find another running back and just take a little off from Andre's plate right now. So you can put more on his plate later in the year. Taquan Thornton, three carries for 16 yards and a yeah, more of that. No, touchdown. that's great. Use, I love use that. that. Use yeah. that to get the, get the touches out. Something yeah. to give somebody else carries and a different look. Um, but yeah, Good showing from the offense. Uh, we'll probably get into it a lot more on Thursday, but where? what do you think? What do you know? What do you see um, as far as where they might go for quarterback next week with an extra week of rest as well, or an extra day of rest, excuse me? I said this on Sunday. Mac needed to walk in the facility this morning and not leave till the game yeah. ends. Set up a cot by your locker, whatever it is. Like, it's – this is his week. It, it's – I, I I said it before. I'll say it again. I don't think it's a quarterback competition yet internally. I don't. Right. But if Zappy plays well against the Bears, it's going to be. And the one way for Mac Jones to guarantee Bailey Zappy does not play well against the Bears is to not let Bailey Zappy play against the Bears. I know some people have said, you know, oh, Mac's already benched and they're using the injury to cover it up. And Joe Judge gave sort of a weird answer today when talking about it. There, I, I trust Mike Reese above all. Mm-hmm. The report he had made it sound like they were ready to start Mac on Sunday. I think Zap even said he didn't find out he was starting until Saturday. Yeah, that's so, what he said on EEI. That tells me it's still, at, at least going into that game, it was still Mac's team, right? So he's got to come back. He's got to remind every, you know, he's. I hate to use this phrase because it's tied to another Patriots quarterback. He needs to reintroduce himself. Um, and if he doesn't do it this week, I don't know. I, you know, yes, he got hurt. The job is his will. He's hurt. That's, that's the, but eventually it's exactly what happened to Bledsoe. There was a understanding across the NFL for decades that quarterbacks can't lose their job to injury. And which is so bogus by the way, here's the thing, but here's the thing. I kind of understand why. If anything, it applies more to the modern NFL. Quarterbacks make so much more money now. Teams are worried to – anyway, the point being, yeah, you don't lose your – no team is going to be quick to repl- – at any position. Right. No team is going to be quick to replace a player because of injury because players aren't going to trust you. It's going to be hard to sign free agents, re-sign guys, things like that, right? But it doesn't happen until it happens. If you right. keep letting that opportunity linger, either Bailey Zappi is eventually going to grab it or he's just not going to be good enough to do so. But if you're Mac Jones, what you've seen through these two weeks, do you really want to take the risk that he's not good enough? Because 
I don't know that that's true. So, yeah, I Max got to play this week to to you know to use the Drew Bledsoe line to compete for his job. Yeah. Sorry, well, I've been uh, watching all the old. Um, I, I went through yesterday and watched like all of Bill Belichick's pressers from the window between when Drew got hurt to when Brady got named the starter. And there's mm-hmm. just so much. There's so much good stuff in there. I wish we could play it. From where do you the, find I, them? YouTube. Uh, they're on YouTube, or we we have. Okay. I was listening to some. We have some archived at the hub, but oh, okay. um, the the um, the one I keep going back to is it's really right on the fence there because he sort of gradually named Brady the starter. Like Bill came back to practice and wasn't ruled out, or sorry, Drew came back to practice and wasn't ruled out, but they kept going with Brady. But at one point, he gets asked, you know, well, when are you going to make a decision? Like, or I, I forget exactly what the wording was, but he says, I'm going to. It's what Mr. Kraft pays me to do. I'm going to do what's best for the football team. That's T-E-A-M as in team. And they kept asking him, and he said, you know what? We're going to pull the coaches. We're going to pull the fourth graders. We're going to pull the barbers. We're going to pull the janitors. So the point being, I still think Mac Jones starting is what's best for the football team. T-E-A-M as in team. Mm -hmm. But there's a way that changes without Mac Jones stepping back on the field. 100%. And that's what I think Mac Jones needs to understand at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, agree with all of it. M as in team. I love that. I love that clip. It's so good. It's so good. It's good. We'll find it and we'll tweet it out today. Check it out because I'll go grab it after this because it's a good clip. It's young Belichick with his with his dark hair and it's 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 a good one. So my last point, I guess, on this entire Browns game is just the overall amazing. Can I give one more small point on the offense? Totally hit it. We're talking about, you know, losing how you can lose your job by not being on the field. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Wynn might've lost his job being on the field. Oh yeah. That's yeah. good. I, 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 I'm really 50, 50 who the starting right tackle is next week. I couldn't, you know, I, or when I say 50, 50, I think it should be Marcus cannon as for sure. what they are going to do. It would not surprise me either way at this point. And right. maybe we'll get a glimpse Thursday if we get to see some positional drills or, or any of the days in practice leading up to the yeah. game. But I really wonder if it is still Isaiah Wynn's job, just how short that leash is because he can't have a lot of wiggle room left. He really can't. I wonder if they also hesitate to give Cannon the job just because, honestly, of his age. And what if he going to maybe go – you can't really play it that way, but it's almost like – how much does Marcus Cannon have left in the tank? Because right now he's better than Isaiah Wynn, but can he right. can he survive the next you know eleven twelve games down the stretch here? And that's a fair point. You know, if you know you have to make the switch eventually, and Cannon's right. an older guy, maybe you try to wait a little bit. The one thing I'd say to that is, well, if you keep having to put Marcus Cannon in at halftime anyway, right. at that he's point, be what's ready. the difference? Right. Yeah. So I'd like to see them add another tackle, frankly, to the roster. So. They could like I I hate the idea of rotating on the offensive line. I know I've been Mr. Rotation all year, but for it's that tough exact, on the old line, you need consistency there. But but even that for that absolutely, it's a great point. Um, but for the exact thing you just kind of pointed out, like it's going to be really tough if you bench Mark if you bench Isaiah went to go back to him. If Marcus Cannon gets run down, I'd I'd really like for them to have another option that's not yeah. Isaiah Win. Maybe that's that open roster spot, but. Yeah, I, I would not be shocked if it's Marcus Cannon on my I wouldn't be shocked if it's Isaiah Wynn either, because I didn't think he was getting his job back after the Packers game. Yeah, I know. But they still gave it to him. Whatever they do, 
Yeah, I could see it. I could see him going in. I could see him moving uh, Michael and Wender to the outside. Putting I was just going to hit on that because my 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 next point that I was getting to beforehand is just how good the draft picks over the last three years have been. And yeah. Onwenu looks so good this year. He's probably their best offensive lineman. And it's because he's stayed at that guard position all year. Then they haven't been using him as a flex guy going back and forth down the line where he doesn't have a set position. I think that I think they need to keep him at guard if they want to get the best out of him because – Again, he's stuck in one position. He doesn't have to. I mean, he knows he knows the assignments of all along the line, yeah. but like keeping consistent at one position. Um, Fair enough. But I, they, well, again, they need yeah, they need another tackle to. They, yeah. they sh- could use tackle depth um, if they ultimately start Cannon. Um, we'll see what happens there. Like I was saying though, on this, the, the draft picks lately are just. We have to put to bed the narrative that Bills drafts that Bill's not a good drafter because he's completely redeemed himself from the stretch he had. Duggar and Onwenu in 20, Mac, Barmore, Stevenson in 21. I'm reading it off a list because I've been touting it for days now. And this year you have Cole Strange, Tyquan, Tyquan Thornton, both Joneses, and Bailey Zappi. Like, that's, that's five guys, just rookies, that played, like, legit snaps in a win on Sunday. Like he's bringing in legit NFL players now compared to the Jawan Williams and Nikhil Harry's and not Malcolm, but Dominique Easley's of the past. Like, yes, it was bad for a while, but it's, he's back. He's back as a drafter. I I'd say, I mean, that's, that's 10 guys that you can plug and play right now in their first three years. And I will say this to people, stop freaking out during the draft about what position they draft right hand up to on day three. Yep. Look, if it, the people who thought maybe they shouldn't take a guard on day one, regardless of what you thought of Cole Strange, like I get that positional value matters more up top. Mm-hmm. The people who were like super anti the Zappy pick, I think are some of the biggest Zappy fans now. And I tried to tell you, oh, they just took Mac. He can never have too many quarterbacks. And the Long-term running backs backup. too. Yeah. The running backs too. Why do they need so many running backs? They have all these. And I was screaming at people. They don't have the depth you think they do. Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris is not running back depth. It's a good top of the depth chart, but you need you need at least two, if not three more guys than that. So And they clearly I, knew, they clearly thought that James White wasn't going to be able to go this year. And that's I, why they, they knew. took two yeah, running oh, backs yeah, as well. Yeah. So. No, I and at the time I was saying people were going, oh, they got James White. Not really. You know, yeah. people were trying to count JJ Taylor. Like we went through Steven Jackson. We all experienced that, right? Nobody should be upset with too much running back depth. So nope. I would just remind everybody that when you get to the draft next year, uh, I don't think they'll take another quarterback. It seems to be an every other year thing, but yeah, you know, if they take a, a position that you think they're loaded on day three, those are depth picks. Depth mm-hmm. is never bad. Okay. Just no. Nope. I want everybody to remember that. Stevenson, as the, the guy has the guy who got shredded for being the only person who liked the Bailey's happy pick. Patient zero, zappy fever right here. I was going to say, I wasn't on air with you guys at the end of there at the time, but I mean, I wasn't. Oh, Evan was getting so annoyed with how much I was talking about Bailey's happy leading up to the draft. Before they took him. He was getting annoyed. Again, it's like, it's a, all you had was Brian Hoyer, who, I mean, they had him. No, they had him. Oh, they hadn't traded until after the draft. Yeah. You got me. Okay. But again, another, they clearly thought Stidham was expendable or tradable because for some reason, Josh gave a seventh for him. But regardless, I, that's my final take from Brown's game is that uh, young guys impact immediately, which yep. you haven't seen here for a while. Uh, anything yep. else on your front or you want to get into some Boston sports? 
I was waiting for Nick Folk to to break that streak in like the worst possible moment on like a game breaking kick. I don't. I know. Some people got mad at me when I said there's a worst spot. They're like, oh, it could have been a three score game. Now it's a two score game. I'm so glad he got that miss out of the way. And I love yeah. Nick Folk. Obviously, hope deep down, hope the streak would continue forever. He'd retire with it. But right, he almost looked he almost looked relieved when he missed that kick. Like he was sort of laughing. Like yeah, all right, you know. Don't have to get it out of the way. You yeah, know, just got it out of the way in a not that bad spot. So just swing the leg. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's what we got. Uh, Pats beat Browns by a score of 38-15 last week. Um, three, two, two wins in a row now heading into Monday Night Football against Chicago. We'll break down. Uh, we'll break that down on Thursday. But before we wrap this thing up, uh, a big night in Boston sports. Yep. Let's get the graphics in here. Excuse moi. Let's pull this sucker down because we have a Boston Sports Minute because like last week when the Bruins started, we now have the Celtics starting tonight. Celtics face the 76ers in the season opener, the first game of the NBA season tonight, uh, 7.30 tip-off, which is really 7.45 on national TV, as Barth pointed out to me earlier. Uh, Celtics are three-point favorites. Over-under in the game is 216.5. I will note that they opened at minus five before Ime Udoka was suspended and Joe Mazzula came in. Um, it dropped all the way to Celtics minus two, and then some money came in on the Celtics today. So, um, thoughts on the game tonight, thoughts on the Celtics overall. Um, one of those like off seasons where it started really good. They brought in two guys in Malcolm Brogdon, Danilo, Danilo Gallinari, geez. Um, looked like there was a lot of momentum. Gallinari towards his ACL. He may get suspended. Missoula comes in first year, 34 year old head coach. It's like. The Celtics can never just have a normal offseason. It felt like they were finally starting to get one, and here it comes. But uh, I, I'm, I'll give my take, I guess, first. Um, I have full confidence in the Celtics. I think that as good of a, as good of a coach Ime Odoka was last year, uh, it's probably the, the fourth sport out of the four major sports where coach truly matters. Um, it's a player's league in the NBA. It always kind of has been, or not always, but as of late, it really has been. Um, so I think that. Let your stars align. Let it let it happen. Missoula just kind of has to sit the bench, play point guard, make your subs, and you know you got to be smart. Don't get me wrong, but I think the Celtics are still in a good spot, even sans Udoka. I'm a little worried about their depth, especially you know in the front court after Al. Yeah, Hor- the front court's know, so tough. Al, Al Horford, like you have to manage his minutes. All right, who's behind him? Blake Griffin. We got bench last year in Brooklyn. After that, oh wow, we're already on Luke Cornett. Like it'll be interesting to see how they get by without Robert Williams. Even you know. Behind Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I, 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 Gallinari would have been great. Yeah, Grant Williams. I'm not saying he's not up for it, but he he's going to play a very very crucial role for this team. It's a contract year as well, so he's going to be in the yeah. spotlight. I once they're fully healthy, they're going to be great. You know, it's just going to be about yeah. Joe Missoula managing expectations, managing egos. But I think they get a little ugly here at the beginning of the season. I just they, they don't outside of the front court, which is great. They. They don't have a ton of depth. They don't have a ton of size. It's going to be interesting to see. And tonight's a great example. You yeah. got to contend with Joel Embiid for probably 40 minutes. What's right. that going to look like without Robert Williams, right? How much are we going to see Blake Griffin on him? How much are we going to see Grant Williams on him? Um, it's just going to be interesting to me, interesting to me to see how that goes to start the season. The Rob Williams thing's tough too. He was, a, he was, uh, I keep bringing it back to betting because it, I think it, it, there can be a tell in a lot of these things before before it came out that his he had had that knee surgery, I think in July or the in August, whatever it was, um, he was the favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year. 
there was some serious momentum surrounding Rob Williams and his impact on this team and how good he could really be. They wait on the surgery. It looks like not really sure why. I don't know what insight there was to that, but um, now reports. I think he got another injection in his knee today. It looks like his timeline is going to be extended even further. Yeah, now it's looking like February. Yeah, that's that's no for a guy who has never been healthy as it is for him to continue down that road. It's tough to see and. Again, I have major confidence in Tatum and Brown and even Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon for that matter, but like agreed that, you know, the, the front court's tough. Um Celtics get by tonight. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, pretty big. I think they're gonna win tonight. tonight. Yeah. I, it's a momentum night. Uh Bill Russell jerseys. I love the jerseys. Yeah, um, they're pretty I think cool. they're awesome. There was some I saw them getting a little bit of heat on Twitter, but I think they're dynamite. I love the color. I love the script on the front. The homage to Bill Russell's awesome. Um, I think that the Celtics had a decent preseason too. For for their lack of depth, I, depth, I still think they played pretty solid. I think they'll come in tonight and uh, take care of business against Philly. Cover the spread. I think it goes under. I think it's going to be another. I think it's going to be an under game. The Celtics play some solid defense, so we'll see what happens yeah. there. Also bet Jason Tatum to win MVP this year at fourteen to one, and I bet Joe Mazzulla to win Coach of the Year at fourteen to one. So I'm really banking on the Celtics here to make me some dough, but. Uh, We'll see what happens. Um, anything else on Celtics before we hop into college football real quick? No, let's do college football. All right, Alex. You have something to say surrounding what happened this weekend in college football in Tennessee. Yeah, so first off, that game is why people should watch college football. Yeah, that, that, that was, was awesome. I, I was emotional. I was emo- It was such a great experience, <laughs> and I was rooting for Alabama, but like I – now I had like a peak college football feeling where like I was crushed Alabama loss. And I was also just so thankful. I got to experience that game. You know, yeah. um, that being said, Rocky top has been stuck in my head since Saturday. <laughs> I, Hendon hooker is great. That yeah, offense is. is very fun to watch. It's a fun story. That fan base is lit up. I might be on the Tennessee bandwagon here for the next couple of weeks. I'll See, tell they're you gonna this. Have, they're going to have to play Georgia in Georgia. Um, that so that so game like, in two weeks they play Kansas, uh, Kentucky this week. Who's mm-hmm. Kentucky's ranked, but they're banged up. You know, yeah, more of a legacy rank than anything else. I forget who Georgia plays, but they're going to beat them. I will be. Excuse I will me. Be, oh, yeah. I thought I thought you said Tennessee's going to beat Georgia. Not Georgia's going to win this week. I, I heard. No, I'm saying okay. who. I don't know who Georgia I plays gotcha. this week, but whoever Georgia plays, I will assume. That they are going to beat. Actually, they might not play. They might have a bye. Oh no, they play Auburn. No, they just played Auburn. They play. Oh, Florida's not that good. I thought they're going to be good. Anthony Richardson got me week one. Hand up. But yeah, um, I'm going to be rooting for Tennessee. Yeah, me too. Georgia, Tennessee. I'm going to be basically unless Tennessee and Alabama play in the SEC championship, which is very possible. I'm. I love this Tennessee team. It's 2019 Joe Burrow vibes. With, with this roster. So I'm starting to write a, a piece on CLNSmedia.com, uh, which will probably be out tomorrow. I started it today using some Heisman yeah. odds uh, with titled, did Hendon Hooker have a Heisman moment too early? Interesting. Uh, because of the schedule they have down the stretch here with Georgia, potentially Alabama. Again, it's like, I mean, if they don't get by Georgia, he's it's probably done for him. Uh, but wouldn't that so be that's, so we but he, if he beats them, that's another Heisman. That's moment. another Heisman moment that he can get momentum on again. So this is what happened with Burrow. The SEC was loaded that year, and it was just week after week after week of these great yeah. games, and it was just narrowing down. And Burrow was just—he beat Trask, he beat Tua, 
right? He was, and I know like NFL Trask isn't much. Who was the other one that, that year in the SEC? Um, oh, Jake Fromm, right? He beat yep. Jake Fromm. Um, and it just, it was process of elimination. So it feels like we're kind of getting there. I don't think Tennessee plays Ole Miss unless, I mean, that right now would be the SEC championship, which would be wild. Yeah, it would. Um, I, yeah, I don't think they play each other this year, but if he beats, if he beats Georgia, Heisman's his. Yeah, agreed. Right. I mean, there will still be some stretch, but yeah, I mean, three games after that, if they beat Georgia, yeah, I don't see yeah. how we wouldn't win it. I mean, and I mean, that's like, it'll be him versus Stroud. Tough game. They have, so correction, they have Tennessee Martin this week, Georgia's on a bye. Then they have Kentucky at home, then Georgia, and then they finish up Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. That's an easy so, stretch down the end. So yeah, it's it, it's going to be a the fun Georgia team game. to watch. Yeah. And I'll, I'll I'll meanwhile speaking of the Heisman, like Caleb Williams is probably out because yeah, USC's after not losing making the playoff Utah. now, right. that was another great game. The slate yeah, was. absolutely delivered. What, what do you think of Blake Corum? He's kind of sneaking in there. Yeah, he has. He's I see in the chat someone Sudman said sleeping on Michigan, Alex. I mean, he's been he's been a beast. If he's a future if Michigan for sure. I was I knew that was coming. If uh I mean if Michigan continues to win and they can get themselves in the playoff, then I think it's a it's probably I mean that that's what the odds are at right now. It's it's Stroud. It's Stroud, Hooker, and Corum. And I, I it makes sense. He's he's been solid for Michigan. He's kind of their he's their Belco and he kind of he runs that whole offense. So like yeah, I mean it's I, a decent pick. I just don't know if they make the playoffs. Do, do they get stopped by Ohio State? I mean well, it's almost like the, the Heisman. Hendon, it's almost like Hendon ha, or Hendon Hooker has to beat Georgia to win the Heisman, and Corum has right. to beat Penn State to or not Penn State, Ohio State to win the Heisman. If neither of them happen, it's CJ Stroud's. I will say this: CJ Stroud's getting a lot of love. Where's Marvin Harrison Jr.'s love? He, it's just it just doesn't happen like that. I I know it doesn't, and I'm, I'm I I've said this that I don't think wide receivers can win the Heisman because the quarterback has to put up the numbers. Right. That's why Devonta got Devonte Smith got lucky when Tua got hurt, and then Mac came in because it was like, okay, there's no split, there's no, no, it no was feud. all Mac that year. It was all Mac that year. It was oh, duh. I was thinking Mac won the hot. Yeah, okay. I was because because they okay, also yeah. had all these other good. Re- it was because John Mechie was also so good, and he outperformed John Mechie by so much. And Jamison Williams got hurt as well. Right. So but, that's what happened. You got. Me. I don't know if I'm watching it. If I had to vote for somebody from Ohio State. Marvin Harrison Jr. has been the most impressive player on that team. Not to say C.J. Stroud hasn't been good, but who's been the better football player? Who's been better at their job? To me, Marvin Harrison. And then I can't pronounce, not not Smith and Jig, but their other receiver. Um, I, I, I can't think of how to pronounce his name right now. But I would argue C.J. Stroud's the third best player on that offense. I mean, their whole offense is legit. And he's, again, he's lucky to have those two wide receivers. Uh, three wide receivers, rather. But, right. um, yeah. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I love Hooker. I think he's f- awesome to watch. He's fun to watch. He's this big-bodied guy who just slings the rock again. Yeah. The end of that game was insane. Um, going point for point. Bryce Young played, which was huge. That that made it, it all all the while. If you're a football fan and you missed that, you missed out. You yeah, missed it was, out. It was it was fun. But I but I hope I sincerely hope you enjoyed Monday Night Football. I really do. Oh on your God. high horse that the NFL product is so much better. I'm not <laughs> talking to you because I know you watch both. You at least watch both. There's yes, right. Even watch college football because, oh, well, why would I watch anything less than the best in the NFL? 
I hope you enjoyed Monday Night Football while skipping out on that absolute gem Saturday evening. I was going to say, I watch both, and I'm a I'm a NFL is better type of guy, but comparing Bama-Tennessee to what the atrocity – well, granted, we went to overtime last night, but Russell Wilson passed for, like, what, 15 yards in the second half combined. I mean, it was just yeah. just a strange product with two bonehead coach at the helm. But uh, that's that for college football. Let's close this up. We went a little bit over an hour, which uh, that's always okay. We're going to hop into pay, uh, Celtics' home opener right now, so go, go watch that. Um that's what we got here on Patriots Beat. Uh, broke down Pats Browns. Pats win 38-15. Um, we'll see what happens with the zappy fever down the stretch. Me and Alex will be down at Gillette this week, try and get a sense of kind of what's going on down there and who's going to start a quarterback for next Monday night against Chicago. Uh, we'll be back here on the podcast as well uh, Thursday night for uh, probably to break down, uh, do a little preview of what the Pats have coming down uh, next Monday night against the Bears. So uh, till then, Follow Alex on Twitter, at RealAlexBarth. Read his stuff on 985thesportshub.com. You can check me out on clnsmedia.com. And follow me on Twitter, at Mike Gadlick. And until Thursday, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you soon.